I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Dave and Dejanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio. Uh, we can see from the traffic cameras in studio and also just looking out here from Broadcast House on 3rd West in downtown Salt Lake City that we got a storm of brewing. Uh, some of you are getting some snowflakes right now, others are not, but we can promise you one thing our entire team of reporters, producers, and the Weather Center, the Traffic Center, all eyes on the roads um, and the skies. And so the minute we know that there's something going on out there you need to know about, we will make sure you know about it. I was reminded of this this morning on Utah's Morning News. March, the snowiest month. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for that? What if we really do have like the snowiest March month? We will just be, we're buried. We're buried in snow at that point. It's 9.07. It's time for the launch. And here are three things that Debbie wants you to know. Countdown three. We talk a lot about mental health in the classrooms and our kids. How about for teachers? Let's dive into the school district email that has us asking this question in 45 minutes from now. Should teachers be allowed to take a sick day because their mental health is suffering? Seems like an easy yes to me, but apparently for one Utah school district, it was a it was a hard no. Uh, that's until the backlash began when the email went out. Yeah, the email. I think they admitted this. They're like, oh, I wish I could rewrite that email. But taking a mental health day, using it as a sick day, that has become more and more common. But I have no idea what qualifies. As a mental health day. Like, is that kind of like a sick of work day? Or maybe your coworkers should tell you. Dude, you need a day. (laughs) You are the worst. We all took a vote, (laughs) and you need a mental health day. Countdown (laughs) to... Okay, this is one topic I cannot let go of. Um, We're going to dive into the cost of college again, uh, promising an awesome conversation in the 10 o'clock hour for a full 30 minutes. We're going to get State Auditor John Dougal because he's done a lot of research into the advertised price of a college degree and the actual retail value you end up paying by the time you get said degree. Uh, there's a huge disparity, and trust me, it is not in favor of the student, okay? So we're going to get to the bottom of that, and we're also going to ask a financial aid director at Utah Valley University about alternatives to student loans to pay for college, so you don't have to come like $100,000 out of pocket for that degree. Completely and totally fair. I want to know the truth in advertising so I can prepare So I know exactly what I'm going to pay. And then I can make the comparison of, okay, is this a good return on investment? We do this in everything. Every time we make an investment in something, we're asking, okay, ultimately, what am I getting out of it? And if I don't know the true cost of college, that messes up the entire equation. Launch countdown. 
one. It passed. Utah lawmakers doing I, I, something I think is really out of the box to get Utahns into their first home. Approving a plan to let new buyers dip into this $50 million fund and get up to $20,000 to get them into their first mortgage. Uh, we're going to have a live interview with President of the Senate, Stuart Adams. He's calling this show in 25 minutes from now to talk about this plan, get some details we haven't been able to get yet. That is coming up straight ahead, Dave. I would absolutely have used this. Really? Absolutely, you 100%. You shocked me. I would have used okay. it. Okay. That doesn't mean I believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh. think the state of Utah... Wow should help me get into my first house. I just don't understand that. I don't understand the argument oh, around it. I don't that understand That being said, you. I totally would have wow. used it. Dave and Dijanovic. The launch. Commence. Dave and Dijanovic. Dave and Dijanovic. Special coverage of the top local story. That just shocked me. The question is, for me to you, Dave, is what are you going to tell your kids to do? Let's dive into that in a few minutes. If you sit here on air and say, I would have used it. Don't believe in it, but I would have used it. What are you going to tell your son when he gets ready to buy his first home? The exact same thing. (laughs) Son, I'm just telling you, I hate the program. I don't believe in it. But here's the application. All yours. We began this conversation 10 days ago when the sponsor of this legislation Senate President Stuart Adams called the show to walk us through his plan, and it hadn't passed yet, and it passed yesterday. Uh, It was an overwhelming yes from Capitol Hill. It's to get more people into home ownership and out of the cycle of renting. He joined us 10 days ago, and I think he said it well. We go to a landlord-tenant type of process that existed elsewhere in the world. We're going to lose that middle class. And when people get to be 65 years old, what are they going to have for retirement? And that that's a real struggle, right? Because a lot of that equity, the ability to downsize, to not have a mortgage payment once you retirement, these are these are fundamentals. President Adams called the show a few days ago. He's calling again in 30 minutes to give us more details. We've got a lot of questions. In fact, if you have questions about this, text us at 57500. Text us your question, and we will try to get it asked uh, when we're on the air live with him. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask, is this a one-time fund of $50 million? Is it one and done, or will lawmakers look at replenishing it year after year? Uh, it's a $50 million fund expected to help, and this is a new detail I read in the Desert News this morning, 2,500 Utahns, Dave. And your son, Cole, could be one of them. Yeah, of course. Broke college kid, right? He has a full-time job. Maybe uh, they could get into a a house. But $20,000 would be a game changer because it allows for several things. A down payment, closing costs. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you buy down that interest rate. And he could buy a condo, a townhome, a single-family home. No more than $450,000. That is the cap in the legislation. And we've learned it has to be new construction. And you have to live in it. This can't be something, right? Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's not, he's it's, not, it's gonna not be, an investment yeah. property. We're, okay. we're not going to turn him into a slumlord okay. you know, where he's renting this thing out to any college kid who wants to use it as a flop pad. 
All right. So this is to this is to get people into their first home, give them the pride and ownership. Um, it was overwhelming too. Twenty-eight to one in the Senate, sixty to eight in the House. So we got eighty-eight in favor on Capitol Hill and nine opposed. It's overwhelming. But what we don't know is how new is new. Is this a spec home that is standing right now? And any new construction going forward, does that qualify? Um, We also know that it takes effect July 1st of this year, but I don't know if that means the funds are immediately available this summer. These are all questions we need to get answers to. And why only new builds? we got to ask them. If there's a 50, 60-year-old house that I could get into under $450,000, why wouldn't you want to open up that supply. I will tell you why. Because that 50, 60, 70, and 80 year old home that your kids are looking at, because my son was looking at these types of homes too when the market was crazy. And I was going on his behalf to look at these homes. They need $100,000 worth of work. They're sinking on one side. The stairwell to the basement ends three steps down. Uh, there's a, there was one that had a natural gas smell all over the house. The minute I walked in, I thought, there's no way. There's no way that he's going to be able to afford to fix this up if he's tapped out with a mortgage payment and a home that is $400,000. So lots of great questions. The question we have for our listeners straight ahead is, do you tell your kids to take the deal? Do you tell them to take the deal? Come on, it's $20,000. It gets them into their first home. You cannot tell me that you are going to sit across the kitchen table from them and say, you got to do it on your own. Start saving. Get that $20,000 together and make that down payment on your own. Straight ahead, we're also going to get advice from a real estate agent. Will they tell their first-time home buyers to take this deal? So taking your live calls as well. 801-575-TALK. Next. Eye on the Hill 2023. Special coverage with David Dijanovic. I'm looking forward to talking to the uh, Northern Wasatch Association of Realtors. I want to know if they will be telling their first-time home buyers, you know, take this deal, this $20,000. Yep, there will be a lien on the home so the state can recoup the costs, but, but maybe there's some pitfalls I haven't thought about. Besides the lien. <laughs> so is it more of an interest-free loan? Is that the idea? I think Here's that's $20,000. Yeah. And if you sell that home before the 30 years is up, then you got to pay it back. Or refinance it. Or refinance. Yeah. Then you got to pay it and back. And the lien is on on the on the property. So it can't be sold without that money being recouped, right? Okay. When you have a lien on something that's a flag for um, you know the closing agents and the and the real estate agents who are involved to know that that twenty grand has to be put back into that pool of money. My question when we talked to Stuart Adams, who sponsored the legislation, the president of the Senate, is: Does that fund then continue to get perpetually replenished, so the next new home buyer, first time home buyer that comes along down the road, can dip into that twenty grand that you know maybe your son buys it, for example, a home using that twenty grand, sells it. That money goes back to the fund. He takes the equity he's earned. He buys his next home because, you know, they've got the family thing going on, so they need a larger home. But then the next new home buyer comes along, first-time home buyer, and can grab that twenty grand that your son just replenishes. Is that, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Could, like there's a cycle see it, of, 
yeah. It, that becomes a perpetual fund, right? right? Maybe, it, it refunds itself. You pay not. it back. Uh, or maybe it just keeps growing. Yeah, maybe. And, and that's the slippery slope that concerns me is how involved and how much say do I want uh, the state of Utah to have in my private home purchases? Uh, taking your live phone calls in just a minute. That is a great question, Dave. 801-575-TALK. Do you tell your kids to take the deal or stay out, keep the state out of your you know, private business? Let's go with Mike Ostermiller. He's the ch- chief executive officer of the Northern Wasatch Association of Realtors. And I'm so curious to know your association's take on this. Will you be telling first-time homebuyers to go for this $20,000 and do you see any potential pitfalls for this if they do, Mike? Absolutely, we will. Um, uh, this is one of the most exciting bills to come out of the legislature this year because uh, it, it solves two problems. One is our buyers with increased interest rates are having a really hard time coming up with enough money as a down payment um, or to buy down an, 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 a, an interest rate so that they can afford to get into their first home. And the other problem is, is that starter homes in Utah are extinct. They don't exist anymore. If you look at what listings are out there, you can't find anything to help that family get started into home ownership. And so this bill will um, help attack that on the supply side because it applies to new construction homes that are built under that $450,000 price range. So it will incentivize builders to actually go build starter homes, and then it helps buyers to be able to get into them. So it's optional on the part of the buyer, but um, there is no downside. They, they'll pay that back when they sell or when they refi, but they only have to pay back up to the amount that they get and the rest of the wealth that they accumulate by appreciation and value on that home is theirs to keep. I think fundamentally I don't understand why developers or why builders have stopped building the starter home and why $20,000 is all of a sudden going to get them all excited about building all these starter homes. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's for our kids. Well, they're trying. Um, Part of the challenge is cities won't permit them often. Cities won't give enough density or they or they won't help uh, do their part to keep costs down so that they can afford to build a home under that price range. How Um, so? Like what would a city be able to do or what are they doing to to prevent that for builders? Well, if you have, let's say you have an acre of ground to build on, if a if a developer builder goes in and says, "Hey, I can build five houses on that acre, and and um, all those will end up costing around six hundred thousand a house, or I can build seven houses on that acre, or eight houses, and if you give me those additional units, that can drive the cost down, hopefully to 
an amount where the buyers will be able to qualify for this assistance. And builders will want that and cities will want that because it will bring um, owner-occupied housing into the cities, which everybody wants. Well, we certainly appreciate you jumping on the line with us this morning as we're getting news that this legislation has passed. It now goes to the governor's desk. Um, My assumption is he's going to sign it. It seems wildly popular. Mike Ostermiller, the chief executive officer of the Northern Wasatch Association of Realtors, thank you so much for weighing in on this. We're talking about the $20,000 that new home buyers, uh, first-time home buyers, can use to put for down payment for closing costs or to buy down the interest rate. It would be a lien on the property, and then when they sold it or they refinanced it, they uh, the state could re- would recoup that twenty thousand dollars. So I think you put it well, Dave. It's almost like a loan. Yeah. Uh, with it's not an interest bearing loan. It just it just sits though on that home. Um, it needs to be repaid because it becomes a lien, and then whatever, as Mike Ostermiller just said, whatever equity is made by the buyer, they get to take that additional equity and go purchase their next home. And just to be very clear, if you're a new time or first time home buyer, you buy this home four hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars, and you've borrowed twenty thousand dollars against that. It, you immediately are upside down by twenty grand, right? You have your four hundred fifty thousand yeah, dollar loan, and then you got to, mm-hmm. you know, the twenty grand that helped in closing costs. So you can see where it would be beneficial to get into the house, but you you will have to pay it back, yeah. and that's that's a very important part of this. Doug from Salt Lake City, uh, would you tell your kids to take this deal, or do you want the government staying out of their private business? Uh, well, go find me a new construction home that costs less than $450,000. Okay, I got it. It's not, they're not there. I got it. Uh, number two, I, I'm a realtor and I disagree with Mike Ostemiller. Okay. Because uh, a lot of my, my, my clients can't afford a $450,000 house. They're looking more in the $300,000 range and there's no new construction for that. So they're buying the existing older homes in some of the uh, less desirable neighborhoods that they can afford and they can comfortably uh, make the payments on. And that's my concern. People, and are, just are, just uh, like Dave said, though, is, you know, you end up under, you know, underwater by 20 grand and then you go to refinance it, you know, three or four years later when the interest rates come down and you have to pay that $20,000 back. Okay, so... So just let me let me just back you up a minute. Um, do, are sure. your are your clients coming to the table with a down payment of their own, and then this twenty thousand dollars would give them an additional boost to cover, for example, closing costs or buy down the interest rate, which I think would be one direction I would tell my kids to look at is buy down that interest rate. Um, actually, right now with the with the with the market the way it is, I've actually had. Uh, two transactions that I've closed where I actually had the, the, the seller uh, clo- cover yeah. the closing costs yeah. and on both of them. And then the other one, um, one of the ones I'm currently working on, um, the, the, the seller, instead of reducing their price, they're actually going to uh, cover the buy down. Okay. For my buyer. Okay, Doug, I love this conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, so I'm looking at okay. So if it's a it's a buyer's market or shifting that direction, sure seems to be. 
you get the seller to pay the closing costs or buy down the interest rate, and then you take that $20,000 and you can use that toward the down payment on top of the money that you should be coming to the table with as a buyer, right? I mean, uh, are we sending our kids to the the, the signing um, suggesting they come up with zero down? I would never suggest that for my kids. There are loans right now that are available. I would never suggest a zero down loan for my kids. I would say save some money. Uh, I did a zero down. Extra, it's just not. Did it work great? It, did it? Yeah, worked great. You were underwater though, right? When you got into the home because you had you financed the closing costs, or did you mm-hmm. have the seller or the yeah. seller pay that? Yeah, okay. no. I mean, it was. So you were still underwater. Yeah. So, all right, we're 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 just getting into the the weeds on this a little bit, but I I do feel like this. My the thing is, I'm excited about this. You don't seem as excited about it as I. Do. I'm excited about it. I'm I'm worried about the slippery slopeness. What <laughs> of What's this the slippery slope? Anytime you have the government, whether it's the federal government or the state government, step okay. in and play a role that is largely dictated by. The private sector, and that's what it is, right? Home selling is not really done by the state government or the federal government. This is something, I sell my home to you, you buy mine, whatever it might be. It's an A-B transaction. Why are we bringing in the state to help make this happen? It just seems like an odd pairing. Well, it's... Looks like it's a done deal, but we can still ask President Stuart Adams that question, certainly when he calls. Like, will the state stick around? Will this is just a one-and-done fund, and once the money's out, it's out? And also, I want to ask him about this new build idea. Like, is it possible that the rules could be loosened up at all to apply to older homes, like what you'd suggested and what our caller suggested? Doug, could it be an older home? Dave Indigenovic. Special coverage of the top local story. Well, we got a lot of questions and a lot of your questions uh, that we want to pose to Senate President Stuart Adams. He is a sponsor of this legislation that overwhelmingly passed both the Senate and the House and now heads to the governor's desk for signing $20,000 for first-time homebuyers. It's a $50 million state fund that would be set aside for them to dip into. And I'm torn on this, Deb, because looking back, I absolutely would have used this program when I purchased my first home. It would have been enormously helpful. I'm conflicted, though, because I'm not sure the state of Utah should be in the money lending business. That doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, why, why sweep in? create a, a multi-million dollar program, put a lien on my house. I, why should the state be involved in this? Or should this just be controlled completely by the private sector? President Adams, how did you convince your colleagues uh, up on Capitol Hill that the state should be involved in the, a program like this? Well, this was simply just refocusing our attention. And we've spent a lot of money, local uh, cities have spent a lot of money on a tax credits on uh, funding for multifamily housing. And the dialogue has totally been uh, that we have a housing affordability problem, but it's been focused on multifamily, on putting people into rental properties. Back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s, Utah Housing had a first home buyer program. This is not new. It's not something the state hasn't been involved in in the past. It was widely, widely successful 
And what we did is we actually refocused the attention from affordable housing, meaning multifamily housing and rental properties, to first home buyers. And in America, we believe in home ownership. In Utah, we believe in home ownership. And this is a loan. It's a loan to try to get people into a home. And there's lots of reasons why we believe in home ownership. And there's so many that it wasn't hard to convince my colleagues once they thought about it. Help help walk me through this. Uh, the the difference between multifamily housing and this starter home. Well, again, we've given tax credits. Utah Housing has been involved in trying to help lower the interest rates for uh, all types of uh, low income housing to allow people to get into uh, affordable housing. We've just given sixty million dollars for the homeless. We gave um, fifty million dollars last year. We, we fund all types of homeless programs, and all of, the, all of them are focused on multifamily housing. And now it's time, and this is not, those have been grants before, but these are not grants. This is actually a loan, a loan for people to use to be able to get into a first home. And if you believe that we should have a landlord-tenant relationship when we should lose our middle class and that people shouldn't have the pride of ownership or the equity building, the building they get from a home, we need to continue to focus on multifamily housing, but I believe, believe we need to pivot and we need to focus on single-family housing for people to have that, that pride of home ownership and the equity they'll, they'll gain as they get into their retirement years. When will these funds become available? I saw on the legislation itself it goes into effect on July 1 of this year. But when will that funding be available for people to start dipping into? Well, this program will be administered by Utah Housing. They're working as fast as they can to try to implement it. We think that it'll probably be available around that period of time as the, the, as the legislation takes effect after July 1 of this year. But Utah Housing is already advertising it. They're already out trying to work with the, the lenders and those, those other uh, institutions will help implement this. So they're hard at it, but I think actually that the time frame will probably be about July 1 of this year. Why um, only new built homes? A new great home question. And that's a really great question. And the reason is simple. There's not enough housing uh, uh, stock in the market right now. And so we need to create new housing for, that's affordable for first home buyers. So this is for new product. And the, again, the idea is that both municipalities, cities, and developers We'll try to develop product that can satisfy this first home market. I've heard from lots of city council members that say we're, we're actually approving small lots, but no first home buyer can afford these small lots. So if you actually get the development community focused on trying to, to build housing that, could, that first home buyers can afford and municipalities making approvals on, on smaller lots that first home buyers can afford to be in, you align both of them together and that is the purpose of the bill. We're talking to President of the Senate, Stuart Adams. He's live on the line with us because the uh, both the House and the Senate overwhelmingly approved that $20,000. We'll call it a loan. It would be a lien on the property for first-time home buyers to get into their first home. Um, and this looks like it's going to help about 2,500 people. It's a $50 million fund. Do you anticipate that this fund will last in perpetuity, or is this a one-and-done this is a one-time event, and again, 
we're seeing it, uh, again, uh, the market shift a little bit. We've seen interest rates go from 3%. Now they're up around 6%. Uh, this will actually uh, comes at a great time, in my opinion, where you can actually uh, use the money to buy down the rate to make housing more affordable. But it is just a one-time funding, and we'll see how it works. But uh, we, we, I think uh, we'll see how over oh, the next year or two how well it's accepted and how many homes and how many people were able to help with it. President Adams, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe, aren't you, you're a home developer, right? Yeah, well, I haven't built a home for probably the, maybe many years, probably as long as 10 years ago. But uh, in the day, we built lots of homes, but uh, I'm not building homes right now. Is, is there a conflict of interest, though, uh, or is this just tapping into your expertise um, that this does seem to favor the developers. Yeah, I suppose if I were building homes, it might be a conflict for me personally, but I understand the industry very well, and I understand how the industry works, and I understood how it worked back in the day. And it's really disappointing for me that we haven't continued to focus on first-home buyers like we did back in the 80s and 90s, and we're focusing on multifamily. And I think that expertise has helped me to be able to bring a program out that uh, will be used and be very, very, very successful for these first home buyers. We asked our listeners to weigh in on their text line with with some questions, and the one that continues to kind of come up is, "How is four hundred and fifty thousand dollars affordable for a first time home buyer with the twenty thousand dollar?" infusion of this loan from the state, it still seems like that price tag would be out of reach for a lot of young Utahns. What it, what's your response to that, President Adams? Well, again, I think if you're able to buy down the interest rate and uh, the cap is at 450000 you you can find a product in the three fifty, and that may be a townhome. Yeah. But if you find a product that's cheaper, again, the effort was to try to drive these prices down and to be able to make it affordable. But with a lower interest rate, I think you'll find people that will actually be able to afford and use this program. President of the Senate, Stuart Adams, thank you for joining us. And uh, like I said, Deb, I, I look at this number, I look at that 20000 100% would have been a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the closing costs, the buying down the interest, that kind of stuff, not even talking about the down payment or affording the the mortgage. It's all the costs leading up to it, getting into the house that is debilitating. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.